Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to a very special weekly Science Faction! Yes, yes. Even though um, we were a little bit late and I found myself jonesing, I was I was getting I was irritable. I was yelling at my wife and, you yeah. know, I work in education and I struck a kid. Yes, and understandable. So now I got a lot of time alone to think and yeah. I've been thinking. And the reason is because I haven't had my science faction, Bobby. That's right. That is absolutely right. You guys, I am in the middle of my real hard field season uh, for the next two weeks. I am doing 10 plus hours a day out in the desert. It takes me a three hour commute on top of that to do that. And at least two to two and a half hours of prep each night when I get home to do the next day's 10 hour day. So I'm uh, I'm running on a, essentially zero sleep a ton of coffee and trying to gun an F-150 90 miles an hour back and forth to get myself an extra 10 minutes of snooze time. So what are you saying, Bobby? Uh, don't expect much. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Okay. So, so, so you're saying that, that because like we, we were a little late, I went ahead and went overboard. Yeah. Uh, I booked actual Steven Novella is actually waiting uh, to join this Zoom call so him and you can have it out. Um, uh, Alex Jones, I was going to summon a dead scientist. Yeah. Uh, 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 Dr. Troy was going to drop in and say hello for a little bit. Bobby. I Listen, I, I am so exhausted I can barely keep my eyelids open. But I will still eat Novella's children in front of him. Like I will still. <laughs> that's not a metaphor. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> Listen, one. I'm, all I'm saying is that one day Stephen Novella will walk in and see his brother Jay Novella tied to a chair, yeah. and there'll be some hard decisions that Stephen will have to make. <laughs> that, that's right. Which fingers, Stephen? <laughs> no, because I am in that intense, intense work schedule, I, I literally don't have time to write and do an episode to our normal standards. And so what I decided for this week is uh, we would t- give you guys a little glimpse into what some of the Patreons get sometimes and one of our special patreon episodes we did a few weeks ago involving fusion and basically is actually based on a a couple of patreons calling me out uh, on our patreon saying hey you've made this this claim about fusion a few times and you haven't really backed it up it seems a little bit uh, sensationalist you know would you care to actually like put your money where your mouth is and back up what you said and i thought that's a really good point i have casually said fusion will change our world in a thousand different ways it's going to end this problem this problem this problem it's it's a huge deal but i haven't actually delved into why that is and so this is an entire podcast we did a few weeks ago looking just at what at least my vision of what fusion will do for our future from everything from global warming or, and climate change uh, all the way down to how we generate electricity and what that even means and what economies mean when energy is essentially free all right sorry sorry alex jones sorry copernicus i know i know it, i know you got a pass to spend time on earth Sorry, Novella's children. I'm still coming for you. <laughs> Sorry, Jay Novella. Bobby's tired. He's going to break your fingers in the morning, okay? All right, stay in the closet, Jay. All right, so enjoy this episode. And for you Patreons, we will have a fun little Patreon thing still going on. So so watch that Patreon uh, feed as well. So you'll get something a little bit late this week, but it'll still be there. So uh, we'll see all of you guys next week for the next Science Faction. Hey, uh, Bobby, real quick before you go, um, I was wondering if you could talk to the superintendent of schools. I kind of hit a kid, and it's kind of your fault. Hello, and welcome!
welcome to Science Factions Patreon 105. Tell me a science story. Tell me a science story. You're like children's stories, only with less sex and more science. Um, so nobody's going to whip me or beat me today? I didn't say that. I got excited for a second, you know, like, uh, you know, I was the turkey. It was Thanksgiving. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody came with yeah. Chinese food, uh, you know, beforehand, before yes. it came time to take out the axe. Yeah. And then they're like, let's let's shove this in the turkey. <laughs> no, I don't want low mane in me, please. No. <laughs> uh, stop desecrating my corpse. Uh, dear. Thank you, guys. Thank you, audience. Thank you, Patreons. Um, those of you guys who heard the message about last week know that, you know, we were literally in the middle of recording. Uh, we we're like five minutes in. Damien had some technical issues. We went to go record, finish it up the next day. And Damien had caught COVID. And he has been nursing that, that condition for a while. Uh, his voice sounded horrible. And so we wanted to give him some time to to repair a little bit he's finally come on back and uh, we will make up that patreon we'll, we'll try and throw out two patreons at some point um but you know 24 hours off barely being able to speak for damien probably probably not this week i offered to get jesse egan uh to fill in for me and and bobby said no and a lot of a lot of the people who are patreons here are also patreons uh or or know of uh of awful neutral and you know that jesse egan was a delight but bobby said no yes because Bobby apparently hates delicious things. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I will keep the Damien vibe for now. Um, now, I will say this. This was a different one. This was this isn't like I changed it because we had a problem, so I got rid of I Call BS. This was supposed to be a different one called Tell Me a Science Story. It's an old bit that we used to do quite often, but we haven't done in a while. And we did kind of blow the surprise aspect because I purposely did not tell Damien what this would be uh, and everything. And I had him guess in the first five minutes of the last one. He has since figured that out before we had our technical issues. We're not going to try and like fake do the reveal again. So I will just tell you what this is about. So I'll tell you a little bit of the backstory. I got a few emails from some Patreons about a statement that I made, specifically one Patreon who kind of called me out on, hey, you keep saying this, but you've never backed it up. And I realized that they were right. So this story centers around a statement that I have made a lot of times and a scientific advancements we discussed that occurred about six months ago that will change the world. And that's part of the statement I've made that I'm going to try and back up tonight. And it will likely change your world but it will absolutely change the next generation's world, the world of your children if you have them. And I've already made a lot of vague claims in passing about this, but I'm going to try and back every one of those up tonight. And the story that we're going to discuss is how fusion power generation will change the world forever. Yes, I agree. That, that, that was the hope. I, I would hope that otherwise it was a lot of it was like the metaverse. It was a lot of money thrown at nothing. Uh, well, first of all, I think the metaverse could be much bigger than you think. Uh, well, really? All but... right. Okay. I, I would love to hear this because to me, I'm like, I like the metaverse. I, I so badly want to see what they're going for with the metaverse. Yeah. I was like, because because I mean, we could have cured world hunger several times over to make this work. So I'm, I'm curious to see. Well, and the metaverse actually fits into some of the stuff we're going to talk about in terms of what happens with fusion power generation. Uh, so obviously this came up on Fusion Day last year, which was, I think, December 13th of last year. And that was an amazing milestone in which researchers at Lawrence Livermore Lab were able to produce more energy than they put into a controlled fusion reaction. If that is sustainable, and it appears to be, that is it. 
we have done it. If you get more energy out of a reaction than you put in, you have essentially created a reaction that ultimately gives you unlimited energy because you just keep putting more in, you just keep getting more out. And assuming you have the fuel, in this case, hydrogen, uh, and you know you can get that out of seawater, and we have a ton of that, assuming you have that, you have essentially an unlimited fuel supply. That's the promise of fusion power, and we hit the milestone that says that that is a reality and it will happen. Not that it's necessarily gonna happen next year or in five years or 10, we don't know what that timeline is, but it says that it is a feasible thing. We have a proof of concept. It will occur in the future, assuming we don't wipe ourselves out for that time. So long before Fusion Day even happened, for probably 10 years, I have referenced how Fusion will one day change the world in substantial ways on this show over and over again. And uh, I kind of want to back up why I think that is so important and how big the changes will be in ways that you might not have even considered before. So first off, the potential for practically unlimited energy is already like sci-fi sounding, but let's look at what it really means. What it means is that in a reaction in which you are combining hydrogen to make helium, you can release more energy than it takes to combine that hydrogen into helium. So the, um, the energy for the lasers and the magnetic containment field is less than it takes to actually combine them. So even if it's 0.001% more energy you get out, that increases and increases and increases, and eventually that one reactor will essentially be providing unlimited energy, but obviously we would have more than one fusion reactor. So what can we do now with energy that is gonna be so important? Obviously we do work with energy. Energy is used in electrical motors and things like that. It moves things around, be those electrical cars or literally inside the processing plants of industrial manufacturing, conveyor belts, things like that. It also powers our economy. All modern economies are essentially energy economies that have substantial other things they do, but at their heart, they are energy economies. We use those to build our infrastructure. We use it to power our militaries. We use it to create vast empires. Think of things like OPEC. Uh, you know, OPEC, we think of it as an oil conglomerate. In essence, what they're talking about oil conglomerates, wind turbine manufacturers, coal miners, all of these things are just different ways of saying energy retailers, right? And, and once you have unlimited energy, all of those systems flip on their heads. How are you gonna sell energy to somebody when energy is essentially free, right? So you can't have things like OPEC or coal mining. So all of that obviously goes away with these vast energy empires that we would get from fusion as opposed to oil. It also makes you money. Like we just talked about those people, those are direct energy retailers. Obviously all those people are making money directly off energy. However, so many things we don't even think about are basically the selling of energy. Think of things you buy that don't have high subsistence costs, things like trash bags and stuff, right? The amount of material, <clears throat> amount of petroleum material in a, something like a trash bag is very small. The amount of physical material you are buying that is sitting there is tiny, right? But the process of creating those bags uses energy and there's more energy cost to something like a trash bag than there is material cost to something like a trash bag. And since that process is almost all automated, there's also more than there is labor costs. So there's a lot of things that you think of as practical goods that you're basically just paying for the energy of production of those goods. And once that goes away, well then shit, things like trash bags are basically free. 
And, and I use trash bags as a very simple example. There's a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff. And in some essence, everything you buy, you are paying an energy cost for the production of the energy, for the production of the energy that it used to transport it, all that kind of stuff. So all of that goes away, which upends an economy. Also think, think of things like food. How do we create food? Food is energy that has been trapped, usually solar energy trapped by plants, or solar energy trapped by plants eaten by animals that is then given to us. I was curious how you're going to get to hamburgers. Like I was, I was going to say like yeah. I was going to say uh, uh, Arby's when you're talking about energy retailers as sarcastically, but I didn't want to throw you off. Yeah. But I'm curious how we're going to package the uh, uh, fusion energy into a bun. That's a great question. You literally can because think about it. What do we do now? We grow grains to make our buns, right? And then we use a bunch of energy to process those grains, that kind of thing. But we grow grains far away from our civilization centers because that's the easy, cheapest way to utilize solar energy to do that. You can grow anywhere you want to grow. You can grow plants. You can grow grains. You know what the limiting cost is? Energy. Because those grow lights you use that you would have to use if you wanted to grow stuff in the city or other environments or, or rainy places or underground, those grow lights take a lot of energy. So that's why it's not worth it right now. If you have essentially unlimited energy, you could be growing wheat in your basement in the middle of New York City. It doesn't matter. Everything, when you break it down, kind of comes to an energy cost. And if you have unlimited energy, all the math fucking goes out the window. You could be growing every bit of food you need in some like garage you have or, or some underground area under your house if you have unlimited energy sources. And so even things like farming and, and stuff like that go away. Farming is just basically another energy retailer who happens to use food energy as it. You've you've stripped away so much pride of the heartland, you know. Like like uh, we're essentially uh, like my my dairy farm's actually a, a a white oil derrick. You got me, you got me. Uh, I'm drilling for for white gold, as they say. What about things like hospitals or healthcare? A lot of people don't realize that one of the biggest costs for operating costs for a hospital is their energy cost. They use substantial amounts of energy, especially those who have certain types of machines like MRIs, that kind of stuff, substantial amounts of energy. And in fact, oftentimes the infrastructure limitations of putting in a new hospital in any place is whether or not they can get enough power to that location. So all of this indicates that Energy is what we are trading mostly in, even when we think we're trading in healthcare and food. And oh, by the way, as we've talked about on this show, the greatest threat facing humanity right now seems to be human-induced climate change. And thanks to carbon capture technology, we have the ability to pull carbon out of the atmosphere. We just do not have the energy. The second we have that energy, we could not only stop the progress of global warming, we could reverse it by pulling all of that carbon out of the atmosphere. So I'm using this as a broad overview to say, look how many things the energy question touches that you probably wouldn't have even thought of as energy questions. And all of this gets changed as soon as we have fusion reactors. But I mean, we okay, we have them now though. I mean, uh, no, we don't. We don't. Oh, I thought. Okay. Uh, we well, the technology has been proven. When do we get? When? Yes. When is? Uh, when is fusion reactor one rolling off the assembly line? 
Who knows? Who knows? And who knows what economic uh, incentives are going to be behind it? Does this mean everybody just gets free electricity? Does this mean the power companies just get free electricity? Does this mean electricity gets discounted to certain people? Does this mean that we stop dealing electricity? Because pretty soon any private individual who has enough resources could create a fusion gen power generation as part of a nonprofit and then just give that power away free to whoever they wanted. Or maybe the government says energy is such a huge advantage. The governments that are rich are rich because they have energy. Energy Energy is basically the currency that we trade in internationally. So the government, we want to make our country rich. So we're going to make a bunch of fusion generation plants and give everybody electricity for free because it helps spur industry. Regardless of how the economics come in, the realities of having essentially or practically unlimited fuel supplies will change everything about our inner connected dynamics, uh, international relations, the way we make a living, especially if you combine this with things like advancements in both AI, which takes a lot of energy, but can do a lot of stuff for us, and robotics, right? So there is a future that is very realistic that we all have little Honda robots, like humanoid robots that do most of our work, in which case, literally even work becomes energy, right? Like if, if let's say you're a plumber, right? And now you got a robot and the, you teach the robot how to do the plumbing. And now the robot's essentially your employee. Your only cost is the energy involved. So if there's free energy, we essentially have a self-sustaining economy without having to put our own sweat equity in. And how does that change what an economy means and what work means and what jobs mean and what fucking money means if all of a sudden all of the work is done by things that are essentially self-sustaining and don't need us and don't need our input or our sweat labor uh, but, but i i tie so much of my worth in uh in slaving away to do a shit job for anybody um i i what would i do with all of this time no this is that's the that's the dream is to have is to have uh sure. is to have more free time to live your life to be a human to yeah. to chase your hobbies and not to just to die in a fucking cubicle this is i mean if applied properly this sounds lovely yeah yeah, absolutely. Right. So like, obviously there's, you know, elements of utopianism in here. I'm not saying this is the way things are going to pan out, but what I'm saying is these are possibilities. These are doors that become open to us when we start talking about power generation on this front. And it changes things that you haven't even thought of as necessarily being energy questions. First off, we could immediately stop utilizing non-renewable fuel, fuel sources. What does that mean? Not only does that mean no more pumping oil out of the ground, not only does that mean no more burning oil so we don't have more, you know, carbon and greenhouse gases going into the air, but think of what that that means about large ships moving across the world. Most of those ships are filled with fucking oil. Think of what that means about the power dynamics of places like the Middle East, who basically have no real exports, have nothing they put out except for petroleum products. What happens to those places? What happens to the power of ideas that come out of those places if they no longer have that money backing. What happens to the concept of money itself? In a way, much of money is basically energy costs that we're transferring back and forth to one another. If that goes away, if energy goes away, does money go away too? If our ability to get things done isn't you know, secured to money anymore. Because again, we have robot plumbers. We have robot electricians. We can power them indefinitely as long as we keep doing our thing. Do we then, you know, pursue creative pursuits and what we think of as society changes drastically in that sense? I mean, this this is great, but I mean, just the world we live in, I think a lot like uh, somebody at Davos is going to be looking at this like, how can I use this to fleece the world's population more? I, sure. I think that's kind of more, uh, I think, the, more likely the direction it would be headed. Uh, how can I use this to widen the gap between me and the other 99% of the world? 
And that might might be well the way it goes. It might be that a very select few get all that unlimited power, and that could be very dangerous. But something to consider is right now when we think of wealthy people, wealthy places, wealthy countries, wealthy groups, we are almost always talking about wealth and energy, and everything else comes after that, right? And so if we do have you know energy that is spread throughout the world, well then especially if it's you know given out in some way equitably. And, and if it's unlimited, there is a possibility that could happen. It's not necessary, not necessary but it, it is a possibility. It trickles down. If that is the case. Yeah, well, no, it's more <laughs> like the difference that we currently see exists because of differential access to energy. And if everybody has access to essentially unlimited energy, I don't think you have that wide range of economic disparities because it, you just you don't have the thing that can make it there. I mean, their ability to not only buy energy, but have energy and do things is what makes an elite class elite. We call it money. But in reality, it's a substitute for energy because there's plenty of poor ass countries. You know, you can go in the middle of Africa, find somebody, who, some dictator who's got wheelbarrows full of printed notes. That's money. It doesn't do them any fucking good because there's nothing behind it. And it's the energy that's behind our own money that makes it reasonable. Right. So. You know, how does that work in, in cases where you have unlimited energy? That might cause massive equalization of inequalities of opportunity across the globe. Right now, depending on who you're looking at and how you gauge electricity production and stuff, it's something like 85% of the globe's produced electricity is used by like 15 to 20% of the people. And the difference between, you know, my ability to do something and somebody in Nigeria's ability to do something has a lot to do with my access to energy. Because my access to energy gives me access to information. It gives me access to ability to do work. And if somebody has that there, then that kind of equalizes things out. If somebody doesn't have food there, but they have unlimited electricity, right? Now, again, grow lights, grow systems, hydroponics and stuff, all of a sudden we have unlimited food there as well. So once we start equalizing that, if it does get equalized, and again, doesn't it's not guaranteed that it will, but when something is essentially unlimited and free, there's a much better chance that it does get equalized. And if that does happen, if that does get things, think of what it does for humanity as a whole. Right now, we take a huge percentage of the population and condemn them and the population of the world. And we condemn them to extreme poverty, poverty we couldn't even possibly imagine from our, our position. We're talking, you know, people, there's there's huge percentage of the globe. I think it's like 50% of the globe lives on less than $5,000 a year. There's massive poverty. Think of what that means. Think of the potential of those people, like 50% of the human beings on earth who could be making medical advancements, scientific discoveries. We don't give them the opportunity to, so they don't get to do it. But you know what? The rest of us don't get to benefit from them doing it. Now imagine what that equalization does to the opportunity of people. If somebody in sub-Saharan Africa has just as much of a chance of discovering the next cancer cure as somebody in Boston, well, then all of a sudden we've increased the amount of cancer cures we can get. So access to information, which is based on access to energy can also give us access to new things that will change the future in ways that only a select few people could have changed the future in in our generation. What's the quote? Like uh, somebody, like a neuroscientist, when asked, like uh, what you know, what made Einstein's brain great, and he said something like, "I'm not interested in what made Einstein's brain great. I'm interested in how many Einsteins have uh, not realized their potential and toiled yeah. in a field." Sure. Of like yeah, and and. 
And that's exactly what we're saying is like, how many of those people are we losing every single day, right? But if we could optimize everybody's potential and the way you do that is energy and access to energy, then how many of those people all of a sudden can learn, can go to school, can make the contributions that make every single one of our lives better? I think I think you'd have to smash the structures of old too. I think it's like a two-part system. There's there's a, there's a new technology that that increases possibility, but I think uh, I think the, uh, the the structures of old that have the structures that have guided us to where we are today have 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 to be altered, smashed. Maybe, maybe, or maybe that happens on its own. Like for instance, so if you talk about like the internet, right? The access to the internet of somebody in sub-Saharan Africa over the past 20 years has gone from almost zero to near ubiquitous, even in really far off places because of inventions like cell phones. And even though there are dictators in those places who would have probably liked their people not to be so informed, they couldn't control it, right? They didn't ha their power structures could not keep up with the technology that was there. And that might be the case in situations like this too. I don't know that it's the case, but if you give somebody, now all of a sudden those iPads can be manufactured for almost no no money because it's all it's free energy and, and they're, they're mechanical systems and they just do themselves and now they can be charged for zero money because it's free electricity and now the internet is accessible to every single person there and now you can take classes and now you can become a calculus uh, savant where you've never seen a village bigger than 50 people you can still do that that possibility opens stuff up even if people in power don't like it sometimes and so I think the ability to put that out is going to change things. Now, look, it's not all sun and roses, though, because even though we could do all that and even though we could do things like massive desalinization efforts to give people fresh water that they desperately need that can make our societies much better, even though we could do things like eliminate a power generation dams, which, while being renewable, also impact local ecosystems very badly, as well as things like coal plants and coal mines and oil gas plants and probably, frankly, even some solar and wind farms that have some environmental impacts and they're just not needed in an age of free energy. We could get rid of the downsides of even renewable energy areas. We could grow more than enough food for every single person on earth if you can just throw a, a unlimited electricity into grow lights and using less water, less space, all of that stuff to then allow us to get more natural ecosystems back. Fuck those palm plantations in the middle, you know, taking over half the world. We could get rid of that. And oh, by the way, use less water because we could use more energy intensive but efficient systems like hydroponic systems, even to grow in urban environments. And oh, by the way, we also don't have to transport that food nearly as far anymore because now it's being grown nearer to places where it's consumed. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is a big step towards the Star Trek future that I, I, I would prefer. Um, I think sure. I think we're currently, if we're looking at our sci-fi universes, I think we're currently on track for the uh, aliens, James Cameron's aliens uh, yeah. future. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, fusion energy. That's that's one of the major. That's a, that's a co almost a Cochrane level step towards the uh, the yes. Star Trek future. Yes. Nice reference. Nice reference. And. and the interesting thing is what happens when you talk about something like war, because it makes the war question really interesting. There's less of a reason to go to war because a ton of our reason to go to war is resources and the biggest resource is energy. In fact, most resources boil down to energy as we've talked about. So if you all of a sudden have unlimited energy, do you even want to go to war? Well, you might have less of an incentive, but you also have less of a cost. Because the downside to war is also the loss of that energy infrastructure. We've we've used all of our fuel. We've used all our bombs. We've used all of our money, which is a proxy, a proxy for energy in a lot of senses. So 
yeah, there might be less reason, but then you get a guy like Putin and you realize, think of what Putin's doing despite all the sanctions, the deaths, the bad PR, all of that. Think of what he's doing. Now imagine there's almost no cost to it. Are you, maybe you don't think twice before you go to uh, war. A, a true, I, I think this is, for the rest of the world, they're looking the other way. Like, uh, like we have basically been putting on an arms display, like an arms show display of like, here's all of our new uh -huh. secret weapons. Here's how well, well they work. Uh, this is this is what a military industrial complex buys you. Yeah. I don't think a lot of the world wants to step to the super weapons that we have. I mean, like, like there's no. a reason so many people die of cancer here. It's because we have we secret yeah. weapons. Like, as a guy who's been in the military, like, you, you wouldn't want to step to, to the to the imperial no. to the imperium. You wouldn't want to step yeah. to this. It's if, if I was China, I mean, like, we, uh, just knowing the capabilities of our navies and everything, I, 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 I do think maybe uh, this this was a an example of big stick diplomacy for the United States. You know, like, hey, Russia, do whatever yeah. you want. Like, we have like the weapons of tomorrow. So unless you guys have, unless you guys are willing to forego uh, health care and education in your countries, we got you. There ain't nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have fun giving a bunch of ex-cons methamphetamine and throwing them <laughs> into tanks from fucking the Vietnam era. <laughs> like, we got this. Like, like if I were China right now, I don't, like, we're not there. We're, we're not there. Um, like, the uh, the empire is strong. The Death Star is, is, a, is a tough nut to crack. We've talked before about pulling, you know, car excess carbon out so we could fix humanity's greatest mistake, at least in my opinion, humanity's greatest mistake is climate change. We could fix that and save this planet. But also... How much of our lives will then end up slipping into very large AI-driven, energy-hungry reality simulations like the metaverse, right? Next generation VR, which could also provide you with literally anything you want. You want to be the rich superstar athlete with tons of cars and homes and unicorns and rancors to ride. You can do that in the metaverse. And all it is, it is literally at that case, an energy cost. How much energy does it take to simulate this, to power your VR stuff, to do all that stuff? So once you have unlimited energy, how much of our lives stops being within the corporal realm and starts being in different metaverses whose only downside, whose only negative side, they're more utopian, you can do whatever you want. The only downside is they take a lot of energy. This is where Bobby has to go because as we discussed on a regular episode, obesity is gone by that point. Bobby has yes, to retreat into right. the metaverse to get his like yes. big ass uh, uh, fix. Uh, yeah, the future could be each of us like living in our own Mormon heaven of a planet of our own design. <laughs> you know, and, and that's very reasonable when you look at unlimited energy. Fuck, maybe we're all in that simulation right now. Yeah, Damien, here's something to think about. Maybe we already got fusion energy. We got into the simulated thing. Then you started doing the really like cool, kick-ass, you know, rappers, athlete, fantasy life in the metaverse. But similar to the plot of the Matrix, you were too happy and your brain wouldn't let you do it. So you've now switched to this. And you are actually right now playing a video game in a metaverse universe that you have chosen but you chose to make it kind of shitty so you didn't realize that you were still in the metaverse. That's like that Rick and Morty game, you know, where you get to live the whole life as like somebody named Alan or yes. something. Yeah, you're right. And I'm, and I'm just not that good. I'm not like a speed runner, you know, like uh, right. what you're seeing here is my noobness. Yes. <laughs> you got really into podcasting here, Damien. Uh, was that really <laughs> the best use of your game time of this? Huh. But yeah, everything from how economies work will be upended if, if we do end up getting some kind 
kind of free, uh, free unlimited energy, how we provide food and room and board, because keep in mind, robots will be building houses soon. In fact, some of them already are with big 3D printers. How we'll take care of our families. Uh, where, what does it mean to access energy we, when we can grow food on our own? And what does it mean to do something like mine Bitcoin when that is just an electricity cost and then we have unlimited electricity or pull our own water out of the atmosphere, which we've talked about we can do. We, there's plenty of water for any everybody on Earth in the atmosphere. It just takes an incredible amount of energy to pull, pull it all out. We could take gold out of the ocean. We have uh, a, a huge supply of gold just sitting in the ocean. You can cycle through and pull all the water, all the gold out of the water if you had enough energy to do so. Right, the, the Kevin Costner's plastic thing. We could finally tackle the, the, the Pacific garbage patch. You could power a robot servant that you can instruct to do all that work for you. So again, you can take yourself out of the, the wage labor economy. And when you consider the incredible pace of robotics and the inevitable future the field has, it's hard not to imagine an unlimited energy supply coupled with an untiring, non-sentient workforce that could lead to future comfort of humans, but also the future despair. Because if you have unlimited energy, even things like war, you could make your own army of robots, right? And unlimited energy, you could use them to fight whoever you wanted. And any sociopath around would feel that would be a very exciting like prospect for them. By the way, movies and like they're like like a Terminator have really given I feel humans a poor simulation of what it would be like to fight a combat machine. There is no fighting a combat machine. No, there is simply. Laying down and just, just dying peacefully. Or setting off the EMP. Either way. Yeah, okay. I forgot about the Matrix. You're right. Also, things like energy is the main constraint in, stu in stuff like the space race, specifically the incredible amount of energy needed to get things out of Earth's gravity. Without those limitations, we could be colonizing other planets in a very real way very, very quickly, especially if we bring our fusion reactors with us out to those other planets, meaning that the idea of, you know, having an intersolar system human race is very reasonable with something like fusion energy. By the way, so is sending micro spaceships to other systems. Because the way we do that is to put something up in space. The idea is you put something up in space, very, very small, and you hit it with super powerful lasers from Earth and get it going near the speed of light until you can direct it to other places. That's how we would, you know, set physical objects going, little spacecraft going to places. You could do that tomorrow with fusion energy, and we could start a huge space exploration along with a local solar system space colonization race. And our world would change because we wouldn't even be on the fucking world anymore. Sounds lovely. Whatever it takes to get Zephyrin Cochran into space and and to and to do warp one, uh, I am I am for that. But also, maybe this is like the Fermi paradox, right? Maybe the reason we don't see other you know, advanced culture sending radio waves out in space is because once they get to a certain point of fusion power generation, they can make unlimited energy. And then all it takes is one bad actor with access to that unlimited energy to destroy every person on earth, which even with nuclear weapons, we didn't really have the ability to do unless you're the president, you have a bunch of nuclear weapons, but frankly, one bad AI army with an unlimited energy source could kill every single human being on earth pretty easily and efficiently. So we, I also, 
be opening the Pandora's box of our own demise. Like the same thing that could fix climate change could kill every living person on earth probably in the span of 24 hours, right? And, and how do we do that? How do we deal with truly monstrous people who literally have unlimited power because we all have unlimited power? And again, becomes even more of a consideration when you add things like advanced general AI, where those robots would be able to think for themselves and go do their own killing. And then, you know, you could let them loose and they could go become their own army and we wouldn't be able to control them after that point. You know, without the energy constraint shackles, things like AI and robotics are probably going to be a future of humanity. And I mean that in the sense that we probably won't have as much of a biological future. Our culture will survive in the machines that we make long after our biological selves have kind of ceased to replicate. Yeah. Uh, I've seen I've seen Steven Spielberg's hit movie AI. I know the the lesson that was tried to that he tried to impart on us in the th- through the course of 3 hours. No, Stanley Kubrick. It was Stanley Kubrick AI. And uh, I have I have succeeded in that lesson which is I will kill Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> he's 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 aged, he's aged. He's, yeah, I'm not gonna say well, but he's aged. I I respect him because a lot of people are like, nah, I'm gonna go off my past as like a cute child actor, and then like some people are like like Haley Joel Osment was like, no, I'm fuck cute. I'm I'm going the opposite. Listen, I I turned into a bit of a troll, but you know what? Uh, the Danny DeVito's gonna die one day, and all Haley's gonna be there to replace him. It may well be that even if never used in the production of a single weapon and despite the potential to save the planet, the access to the energy granted to us by something like fusion may be an irreversible step towards our own extinction. Again, we could do it without building a single weapon. We just build an AI robot and that AI robot comes to the conclusion that we're the problem and builds a ton of other AI robots and wipes us out. It might be that this thing that could save us can also wipe us out just as easily. But one thing is for sure, if we are able to get fusion power generation out and it becomes a mainstay of of human technology it will change everything economies countries the way we go to war the way we produce electricity the way everything works money won't be the same power won't be the same jobs won't be the same economies won't be the same all of this changes so when i say the world changes with fusion energy This is what I mean. This is why I wanted to do this dive, to show you why I say that, why I think those are really big words, but why I think they are true and they will be backed up. I think this would be the the equivalent of an industrial revolution and to the equivalent that the industrial industrial revolution radically changed the entire world. This will change it even more so. Uh, fingers crossed. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm, I've been looking for what the next big thing that'll, uh, that'll make me feel old is like, you know, like where, where the next technology, you know, like, cause I mean, if we were boomers, we'd have been lost by the, the first Nintendo that came along, you know? Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm still caught up. Uh, I feel like I can still talk to the youths. TikTok. TikTok is my Nintendo right now. Yeah, well, I mean, something to think about is like there's there's like a turnover period, right? Like electric cars can't replace gas powered cars immediately because there's a hundred years of gas powered cars on the road. So even if a bunch of car electric cars, if we stop making gas powered cars tomorrow, we would still have gas powered cars on the road for 50 years that have been made, right? So electric cars themselves can't fix that problem, but now change it to unlimited energy with fusion power generation. Now instead of just making electric cars, we can also produce hydrogen fuel through electrolysis of water, 
We can run gasoline, regular internal combustion gasoline motors for our cars. We can run with minor modifications on hydrogen fuel, which means if you had, you know, unlimited power from fusion generation tomorrow, you could even take all of the regular internal combustion motors we have on the roads right now and make them, you know, zero emission vehicles. Or you can just recapture, you know, extra carbon for the amount that you're putting out for continuing to use them. Whatever it is, it would make even even those problems go away. We could switch our entire oil economy to a hydrogen economy tomorrow because we could just make hydrogen at any time we want with water and electricity. So all of that is interesting. It's also interesting that we might not even need to wait necessarily for fusion to get there because we are seeing the the revolution of fission nuclear reactors, specifically small molten salt reactors. And if we see those get very, very popular and, you know, a lot of those use fuel types that aren't as hard to get as uranium. And so, you know, they're more reasonable to have in everyday situations. If we think of thorium reactors powering, you know, just cities and stuff all around us, we might get to not quite unlimited energy, but enough so that it doesn't really matter. Our energy production is not really a big deal. It doesn't cost a lot to produce it. Even just with stuff like liquid salt reactors, that might be the transition between something like our current energy economy and our future fusion energy economy. So we might not even need to wait for fusion to see a lot of these changes come. But regardless, if we figure it out, I stand by the statement, everything changes. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think you're wrong. Yeah, I'm going to go out and say it. This fusion energy fad is then gonna isn't gonna go anywhere. Trust me. I've invested in Betamax. I invested in the USSR, and I'm investing in liquid natural gas right now. That's where the future's at. Oh uh, dear, I I am very excited about developments. I'm excited to see where it comes. I think as as you've heard for the past half hour, I think energy is a very important part of our day to day lives, and will change everything about the future that we live in and our society lives in, uh, whether that's for the good or the bad. It will change. All right. Thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction 105. Tell me a science story where you learned all about why I think fusion will change the world. Thank you so much for joining us. And come on back next week for Science Faction 654. This is Damien for Damien and Bobby on Science Faction. We really appreciate you guys being our our Patreons. Uh, Sorry we missed last week's episode, but uh, we love you and uh, spread the word. You've been listening to Science Faction. That's not right.